Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we've had a lot of focus on the Raiders defense. I want to turn my attention to the offensive side of things and how the offense could be much better with tight end Michael Mayer added into the mix. He's a tight end that the Raiders drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame. So we'll talk about that. We'll give you some news and notes around the NFL. And of course, your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on a really busy Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. It's 2023 here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it drops. And of course, we got to thank my man Ari. If you're checking this out on YouTube, it's because of Ari. Does a great job each and every day making sure we're up there and we're looking good, we're sounding good, we're playing the part, we're doing the part, right? So shout out to my man Ari at Ari Produces on Twitter. Again, does a great job making sure we're uh, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing on YouTube. And plus, want to thank you as well for checking us out on YouTube and subscribing to the page if you like it and subscribe to the page if you don't like it. But uh, if you check it out for a minute or 31 minutes, I definitely appreciate that. But let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes. And again, it is Cinco de Mayo Friday, uh, May 5th, 2023. Uh, excited. I always love Cinco de Mayo. It's one of my favorite days of the year just to uh, be able to have a lot of fun and, and you know, have some have some fun, fun times with the friends, right? And it is a Friday, so it's headed into the weekend. But I will say just whatever you do uh, and whoever you hang out with, make sure you're safe. That's the most important thing a lot of crazy folks out there and you want to make sure that you are safe at all time and when I mean by crazy I mean folks that like to get a little crazy and get a little loose and uh, could potentially uh, set you up for failure so we don't want that to happen to you want to make sure you enjoy your weekend so uh, just be safe out there no matter what you're doing but go ahead and jumping into the news and notes Uh, found out the dates for offseason workouts the NFL sent out a memo uh, giving us another round of dates and you know we got some dates earlier in the offseason but if you're anything like me you try to plan your vacation time around what the Raiders are doing and anytime the wife hits me up and says hey when can we go on vacation last year we went to Hawaii right she said when can we go I said well it depends on when the Raiders aren't you know practicing when they're not at OTAs when they're not at mandatory minicamp when the rookies aren't meeting so uh, we always wait for the email from the NFL to find out exactly when uh, we could plan our vacation and it's, I guess it's kind of sad that our lives are all surrounded around the silver and black but that's just that's kind of what it is so I don't know if you follow it and as, are close to it as as I am but uh, for you keeping track of the dates, here we go. The OTAs, uh, May 22nd to the 23rd, May 25th, May 31st to June 2nd, June 12th through 15th. That's OTAs. Remember, that's not voluntary. Now, I'll tell you what. I've been over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center uh, quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, and there is a lot of participants there. There is a lot of cars there. Mad Max Crosby's car is always one that, that pops out to me. No matter what car he's driving, it's always right there front and center. You know he's there putting in the work. I saw Hunter Renfro putting in the work. I mean, there's a lot of players. Devontae Adams has been there putting in the work. And remember, all this is voluntary. So that's a good sign to see that all these players that don't necessarily have to be there are still there. And I know, you know, it's never a good sign when the majority of the team shows up and you don't show up. But again, it's not out of the, you know, out of, out of the possibility that you don't have to show up because, again, it's voluntary. Now, mandatory minicamp for anyone who's got a contract, June 6th through 8th. Now, that's a period of time where we'll have uh, probably like maybe one day of media availability, so we'll be able to talk to the players and coaches. I believe during the OTA session we might get one or two 
you know, days of availability as well. But I know a mandatory minicamp will get one to two at the most. And then rookie minicamp, we won't get any availability. That's May 12th through 14th. And so, you know, that's right around the corner. Matter of fact, that uh, that's next week. So we won't get any kind of availability for rookie minicamp. But mandatory minicamp, June 6th through 8th, we will get a little bit. And then OTAs as well that uh, get started again, May 22nd, 23rd, May 25th, the 31st through June 2nd, and then 12th through 15th. And then after the 15th, it's kind of like shut it down for a little while. Once it gets shut down for a minute, it'll be like, what, about a month? And then, boom, they'll be ready for training camp. But then it's full throttle. So those are just some dates to keep in mind, maybe put on your calendar so you know what's going on with the silver and black. Also, on Thursday, the NFL put out a notice about the National Football League's International Player Pathway Program. Eight players were added to NFL rosters for the 2023 season through that Player Pathway Program. One Australian, one French, six Nigerian players from the 2023 IPP, all allocated to NFL clubs. And the Raiders were one of the teams that was awarded a player. David Abuka Agoha. Uh, he's 21 years old from Nigeria, defensive lineman. And he is a player that they actually uh, got to get familiar with when they were in Florida. It was uh, like a combine setting for this international uh, pathway program. And the, the Raiders really liked him. And so I'm sure that they kind of told the NFL, like, hey, if you award us a player, uh, make sure it's David because we've had some good interactions with him. And so the NFL did that again they awarded eight players on uh, eight different teams across the NFL they had the uh, NFC North clubs and then AFC West clubs so this uh, program was established back in 2017 and it aims to provide elite athletes from around the world the opportunity to earn a spot on the NFL roster and increase the number of international players in the NFL and teams from the NFC North and the AFC West who have these eight players on their roster can have them until the end of training camp. And then at that time, the players are eligible for an international player practice squad exemption, granting the team an extra practice squad member. Teams also have the opportunity to elevate the player to active roster during the season. So you know right now the Raiders uh, roster is at 90 players. They can't go over that. Well, with this addition of David Ibuka, Agoha, they can have 91 and it doesn't hurt them. And then when they get through training camp, if they decide to put him in the practice squad, it won't hurt them either. They can have an extra player. So as long as he's doing what he's supposed to do, it's giving him an opportunity to make an NFL roster at some point. And any time they could put him on the 53-man roster, it is. It's just another sign that the NFL is trying to grow their game globally, right? We already know about the games being played in London. We know about the games being played in Germany. Now they're trying to put this program together, this international player pathway program that started in 2017, still trying to help grow the program and, and grow the game globally. And, you know, a guy like Jakob Johnson, he was a guy that came through the program. He's a fullback uh, for the silver and black. Jermaine Illuminor didn't come through the program, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that has the English roots, right? He's from England. And so, you know, there's, the game is, is definitely growing uh, worldwide, and that's exactly what the NFL wants it to do. Final note I have for you for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. It doesn't have to do with the, the Raiders. doesn't have to do with the NFL. None of that. It has to do with the Lockdown Podcast Network. And really, I got to give a tip of the cap to the network. They continue to grow. I've been, start, I've been on this podcast network since, uh, since Jack Del Rio fired himself in 2017, following that last game of the season against the Chargers, that loss. And then John Gruden took over uh, right after that and heading into the 2018 season. So right there in between Del Rio firing himself and, Jack, and John, Del, John Gruden getting hired, is when I took over this podcast and uh, it's, I've been going going strong ever since. But 
this thing has grown and it's just been massive since I started to where it is right now. And David Locke actually sent us all an email on Thursday saying, I'm excited to announce that Locked On and SiriusXM have agreed on a partnership. This partnership is both distribution and marketing branches. All of Locked On podcasts are now available on the SiriusXM app. So that is really cool. I mean, we already know that it's, you know, Apple, Google Play. Uh, you can get it on TuneIn. Uh, there's Spotify. You can get it on YouTube, obviously. But to know that you can get any Locked On podcast that you want, including this one, and you'll be able to get it on SiriusXM app, that is really stinking cool. So just know that that's another feather in the cap. Uh, you should start to hear people like myself, Peter Bukowski, Cody Rourke, you know, just to name a few, just some of the hosts on the podcast network. Like, we're going to be the go-to guys uh, like I do on my radio show when I'm reaching out to, to different, uh, you know, beat writers or people that cover teams to get a little bit of insight from, uh, from these guys on the teams. Well, SiriusXM is going to start coming to us. You know, so if there's a Raiders conversation, the producers from SiriusXM are going to reach out to me and say, hey, can we get you on the show to talk about the Raiders? Same thing they'll do with Peter Bukowski with the Packers and Cody Rourke with the Broncos and, you know, David Drogemeyer with the Chargers and so on and so forth. I mean, you get what I'm trying to say. You know, just like everybody that is part of the network is going to be part of SiriusXM, like they're beyond their Rolodex. So it's just more exposure for us. It's more exposure for the network. And again, it just kind of shows you how much the network has really grown. And I'm not just saying it because I work for the network, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of podcast networks out there. There's a lot of podcast networks that try to do what Locked On do does, and I'll tell you, it's it's it, it, it doesn't. There's nothing really out there that stacks up to to what Locked On does, and so I just I got to give a lot of credit to David Locke. It was his brainchild. He's the one who brought me into it. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't too familiar with it. He reached out to me and asked me to be a part of it. And really, just to be a small portion of this incredible network has been an honor as long as I've been doing it. And hopefully, uh, we're doing it for quite a while longer. But that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Kind of news and notes around the NFL and with the silver and black. Coming up in segment number two, want to talk about the Raiders offense and what it could potentially look like with the addition of tight end Michael Mayer, the second-round pick out of Notre Dame. Mike Golick Sr. was a guest on my radio show on Thursday, and he is very familiar with Notre Dame, very familiar with Michael Mayer. You'll hear a few sound bites from that conversation, plus just my thoughts on the Raiders' offense moving forward with Michael Mayer. We'll do that after I tell you about Built Bar. And, you know, I talk about Built Bar all the time here on the show. I talk about the website, Built.com, and the thing about it is if you go to the website, there's something for everybody. That, that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what flavors you prefer. I guarantee you it's there and, and, and there for you. Uh, they have cookie dough chunk puff. That's right there in big, bold letters. They've got animal cookie bar. They've got peanut butter puff, cookie dough strip bar, snickerdoodle chunk puff, coconut brownie strip bar. I mean, do you see all the different flavors? So it doesn't matter. It's not just a old regular like chocolate bar and, you know, cookies and cream and raspberry. And I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. They have exotic flavors, right? Flavors that you could probably never even imagine. Like, you ever think there's going to be a protein bar. It's a snickerdoodle chunk puff. Come on. And the puffs all have marshmallows in it. So if you like marshmallows, there's definitely plenty of those. But if you're not a marshmallow fan, that's okay. You can get a cookies and cream bar. You can get a coconut bar, salted caramel, cherry barcia, peanut butter brownie bar, double chocolate bar. They, I mean, just everything for what you desire, whatever your desire is. They even have the peanut butter brownie balls. So it's just, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like having an M&M, right? But it's a protein bar. It's a protein ball. So, I mean, it's, it's just, again, it's something really good for you. Uh, the, the calories are really low. The protein is really high and the sugar is very low and the flavor is great. So check it out today, built.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON15. It's all one word. You'll save 15% off your order when you go to check out again. Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. 
your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Been talking a lot about the defense and how it needs to be improved, and there's no doubt about it. There's a reason why the Raiders went and drafted six out of nine guys on the defensive side of the ball, and they still are going to need some help, right? They're not all going to gel and blend right away and all of a sudden turn that defense into something spectacular. But, you know, thinking about it, looking at the Raiders' offense and looking at what it was last year, right? And I thought that that offense last year was going to be able to compete with anybody when you think about the weapons that they had. But the big problem was what? Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were injured for most of the season. And the Raiders' defense, our offense was still ranked about 12th in the league. And that was with a lot of struggles in the red zone, which has been their Achilles heel for quite a while, right? And it's something that we used to ask John Gruden all the time, how do you improve the red zone? Something that we asked Josh McDaniels, how do you improve the success in the red zone? It's something that they've got to figure out. But now that they have Michael Mayer, the tight end that they drafted in the second round, and I know some people are upset thinking you should have gone with a, a cornerback, should have gone defense, didn't need any more offense. Michael Mayer is a dude, and he is a very traditional style tight end. He brings a lot to the table. He's a blocker. He's a receiver. He's number one at Notre Dame in like all categories when it comes to being a a receiver and a tight end. And he's very good in the red zone. So Mike Golick Sr., who is now with DraftKings, he was was on my radio show on Thursday and uh, he was talking about Michael Mayer and what he brings to the table. And I'll tell you right now off top, I don't think that there's a better offense fit for Michael Mayer than Josh McDaniels offense I mean you look at Gronkowski and what he was able to do and everyone knows that Michael Mayer his nickname was baby Gronk and I don't want to put you know the Gronkowski title on him because Gronk's a hall of famer right but he's got the ability and he's kind of got the same build and you know he's not the most athletic dude he's not Darren Waller where you know he's like a wide receiver in a tight end's body he's he's just a traditional tight end that knows how to get it done so here's Mike Golick senior when he's on my radio show talking about Michael Mayer what he does and how surprised he was when he found out he was available early in round two Michael Mayer all he does is make plays and get the job done is he the fastest guy no is he going to stretch that defense with, with incredible separation? Probably not. But he's going to block, and he's going to make every catch that's near him. That's all he does. And you know what that is? That's, you know, the comparison to me is Jason Witten. When you watch Jason mm. Witten play, you were just like, boy, he, you know, not a lot of separation, but oh, we made the catch. Oh, we got the touchdown. Oh, we got the first down. Oh, he's blocking. You know, and helping in the run game, and next thing you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame tight end is Jason Witten. So, I, I people get caught up at times when you get to that combine, and all of a sudden you're in shorts and a t-shirt, and somebody runs a real flashy forty or looks really good in their in their t-shirt, and all of a sudden things start to change a little bit, and he ends up being what the third tight end to go, I believe it mm-hmm. was. So, yes, I was surprised. I think he's the best. Uh, um, tight end in the class. I know Dalton Kincaid, he's more of that wide receiver who went to Buffalo, wide receiver type, tight end type that, that can stretch the middle, has a little faster, not as good a blocker nearly as Michael Mayer. Like I said, I, my, I watch tape. I call games, I watch tape. That's how I judge somebody. And all I've ever seen Michael Mayer do is make the plays when he has to make the plays. And that's exactly what he's going to do for the Raiders. So there you go. Again, it's not always about 
the you know the the athletic ability. We see a lot of these tight ends, you know, the Jimmy Grahams, the obviously Darren Waller, you know, the, the guys that are you know look like uh, wide receivers, but they're in tight end bodies and they're they're very talented. And of course, Darren Waller was fantastic. I mean, man, when he was peaking for the Raiders, he was I mean he was playing out of his mind and he was so fun to watch and a fantastic player. Now he's in New York with the Giants. So we all knew going into the draft that there was a hole at the tight end position. Yeah, they got OJ Howard. Yeah, they got Austin Hooper. But I believe Michael Mayer is a day one starter. We, we'll find out the schedule next week, and when it drops, whatever that first game is, you can circle and say that's going to be Michael Mayer's first game. He's a day one starter, in my opinion. And so I just think that if Jimmy G stays healthy, and of course that's a big if, he's got to stay healthy. I don't wish injury on anybody. But you think about all the different options that Josh McDaniels can have now with his offense. And look, it's up to Josh McDaniels to be able to hit the right buttons too. I mean, again, I've said it before, he's got to prove that he's a really good head coach and not a really good offensive coordinator. That's on him. There's nothing that we could say about it, nothing I could say about it. That's I just have to wait and see. Because again, it's going to be 100% on him to push the right buttons and get the most out of this team. But I mean, you look at Devontae Adams, you look at Michael Mayer, you look at Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Uh, you got Jacoby Myers, who's got nice size. He's not the he's not a burner. He's got the size though, and he knows how to get open. A guy that Jimmy G can get the ball too quickly. Michael Mayer, the tight end. Uh, you saw that Jimmy G in San Francisco likes to get the ball to the tight end. He likes to be able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Michael Mayer is a guy that's going to find a way to get open. He's going to use his body, kind of shield off the defender, and just make catches. I mean, all the time at Notre Dame, he. he he didn't have a consistent pass catcher, passer, but he still was able to make a bunch of catches. And again, one of the biggest areas of concern for the Raiders and has been the biggest area of concern for the Raiders for a long time has been the red zone. So I asked Mike Golick about Michael Mayer and what he can do in the red zone and, and how he can be effective for the silver and black, because that's what he was at Notre Dame. Very effective in the red zone. I mean, just look at that position. We've had guys, you know, the latest is Antonio, as far as going in the Hall of Fame, Antonio Gates is just about ready to go in the Hall of Fame. I think he's been out five years. The guy never played college football. He just played basketball. How many guys, tight ends, that have come into the league that have a huge basketball experience so when they're covered, they know how to box out. They know how to use their body to leverage against what are normally smaller coverage guys, be it safeties, or linebackers that they can they can either if they're not out maneuvering them can block them out and get in a position for in this case Jimmy Garoppolo to get them the ball so it's huge I mean they know spacing much like as a as a former D lineman that I was or O lineman I was a former wrestler I could tell leverage on a play all the time on who had the leverage and how I could gain leverage for basketball players they had that feel out on a route of position on a player to either box a guy out or get themselves in the best position and give the quarterback a great target. So that's got to be the biggest issue and the biggest concern and the biggest point of emphasis when it comes to this Raiders offense. They were really good between the 20s, and they've been really good between the 20s for a long time, right? They're able to get up and down the field, but how many times do they get to the red zone and they can't cash in and they've got to send Daniel Carlson out there, who we all love Daniel Carlson, you know, they call him Cash Carlson, right? Because he's, he's good. He's money. He's going to get you three points, but he's leaving four points out there. And it's not his fault, but they're just leaving four points out there. They cannot do that, right? They averaged about, what, 20, what was it, 23 points a, a game that they averaged? And I'm just spitballing. I don't have the number in front of me. I think they averaged about 23 points a game for, for uh, you know, the season last year in 2022. They've got to convert more times than not in the red zone. They've really got to be up around 27 or 28 points per game if they want to go from being a 6-11 and 11 team to being a, what, 
not let's just say nine and eight. Let's just go on the on, on the on the short end of improvement. Say nine and eight. You're really aiming for ten and seven, maybe even eleven and six. That's a seventeen game season. But I'm not going to be greedy. I'll, I'll just say nine and eight. If you're going to go nine and eight, you've got to be more uh, more efficient when it comes to the red zone. And, and what I mean, really, when they talk about the red zone, they've got to stop throwing the ball short and hoping that a guy can just run it in. Right? I mean, how many times do you see the quarterback throw the ball short and hope a guy can break a tackle and get it to the end zone? They've got to make a habit out of throwing the ball into the end zone. Even a couple times that Devontae Adams caught touchdown passes down by the goal line, how many times was it just a quick, you know, dump off pass and then all of a sudden he just happened to make a nice play, right? Or he's come running down the line of scrimmage, you know, in, uh, you know, in motion and all of a sudden the ball is hiked and his ball's just flipped to him and then he's got to make a man miss and get into the end zone. They've got the bodies. They should have the bodies. When you're looking at Devontae, he's great in the red zone. You're looking at Michael Mayer. He, he could be like a, a basketball player and just go post up, right? That's, that's what I like to say. I was in the, in the radio station in the studio, and I was like, man, I'm, you can't see me. Like, you can see me on YouTube right now, but I'm trying to post up. I'm trying to get this guy, this defender on my back. He's got to t- use his basketball skills and, and really hone in on that and make it, you know, make it so the defender can't come through him. You know, similar to what Mike Golick Jr. was, or Mike Golick was saying, excuse me, not Jr., was saying about, you know, Jason Witten and use those Jason Witten skills and, you know, the Gronkowski skills. I mean, it's, it's not about being the super athletic dude. It's just about positioning. He's got to be able to do that. And, and again, I look at all the players that they have, even Hunter Renfro. And, and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen with Hunter Renfro, but there's a world where Hunter Renfro and Trey Tucker are still on the team this year. Right, I know there's a lot of speculation. I know I've talked about it. There could be a potential of Hunter Renfro being moved. But if he's not, you know he could be very efficient in the red zone as well because he just makes a, a move here or there and, and shakes himself open. So you got Devontae. You got Michael Mayer. You've got uh, Hunter Renfro. Jacoby Myers has size. Right, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And then Josh Jacobs can always run the ball in as well. You know, you can spread it out and then run Josh Jacobs, make his, make his uh, you know, running lanes a lot more open, a lot more wide open, as a matter of fact. You know the funny nugget about Josh Jacobs that I didn't really realize till the other day? He has not had a receiving touchdown in his career yet. I didn't realize that until the other day. I can't remember exactly what day I discovered that, but he's had like 50-something touchdowns in his career. He, he's, he gets in the end zone, there's no doubt. But he hasn't had a receiving touchdown yet. And so, you know, it's, it's funny uh, that he, he hasn't done that. So next time I get to talk to him, and he has a, a camp, a football camp here in Vegas on the 20th of this month. So maybe I'll be able to be in attendance, and I'll, I'll ask him about that. Is that a, one of the goals that he'd like to check off? You know, catch a, catch a pass and get into the end zone. But honestly, if he doesn't, that's fine, because I'd rather see the ball be thrown into the end zone instead of short and them try to shake free and get into the end zone. They've got to be able to to convert better in the red zone than they did, than they have actually in the past few years. The final soundbite I have from Mike Golick Sr., who was on my radio show on Thursday, was about Michael Mayer. How big of an addition is it to, to the team and to the offensive line in particular that Michael Mayer is there? Because, again, Michael Mayer is a really good blocker. Oh, it's huge because every team knows what, what tight ends are a blocking threat and ones that aren't. So, and that's, again, where you can credit at least last year uh, for Michael, because, you know, Notre Dame was still a running offense, um, especially because you play, again, with a backup who's not really uh, that great of a passer, so you're going to run more. So Harry Heastan, the offensive line coach, came back for that one year last year, and I, I still think he's the best offensive line coach I've seen in college. So Michael Mayer got that beauty of working with, with Harry for that year to help his, help his blocking even more. It is monstrous for an offense when a guy can take the edge uh, like, like a good tight end, a good blocking tight end can, or have to block down and then pop off to the second level 
where it's a little more of a stock positioning block, but big enough and strong enough to still get his hands on somebody, you know, on the D line and stay engaged to help the running back. So it's huge. I mean, absolutely huge to have that extra guy who can be on the field. And because so, a lot of times, you know, a guy that comes in, he's a blocking tight end, and that's basically all he's going to do. Well, with Micah Mayer, he may block, but he could just as easily block for a second and go out for a pass and end up being wide open. How many times do we see the, the tight end to the right, the fake run to the right, the half boot to the left, and the tight end does a little fake block and then crosses the field, and he ends up being wide open because he was a blocking threat, and then he gets lost in coverage. And that, that's something I can see happening a lot. So that's the thing. If you remember last season when Thayer Mufford would come into the game as a sixth offensive lineman, you knew that there was no way that Derek or, or Jared Stidham was going to throw on the ball. You knew he wasn't catching any passes. Now, Michael Mayer could play that role as well. He could be that sixth offensive lineman. He could play him in tight, and he could block because he's a really good blocker. So he could seal the outside. Josh Jacobs could run to the outside. Zamir White could run to the outside. Hell, the quarterback could bootleg to the outside if he has to because the, the, it's sealed. Right. But also he can block, 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 get off and then get open. Right. Where a Thayer Mumford couldn't do that. He's not going to do that. You know, he's just going to be in there purely to block. So now all of a sudden you have a guy that you have to respect as a catcher, but you also have to respect his ability as a as a blocker. So that that's why uh, the addition of Mayer is so good. And again, surprised that he was there in round two. A lot of people had him as a top 15 talent. So I know as much as and I even said if the Raiders went all defense in the draft, that'd be fine with me because they need it. Even with that being said, you go get a guy like Michael Mayer. He's going to extend drives. He's going to find the sticks to get to first down. He's going to help you in the red zone. He's going to help you in the blocking. I mean, that, that also helps the defense by keeping the defense off the field. So I just think that that was a no-brainer pick. I think that was probably the steal of the draft, and it doesn't really matter. You know, we talk about grades, and maybe on Monday we'll go over we'll go over a bunch of different grades that a bunch of different outlets have given the Raiders. I said that his draft the draft was solid. I know a lot of people have questioned that and pooed on it and said, "Oh, you're you're sunshine pumping, or you're just trying to give them more credit." I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation. Like I said on Monday, we'll probably go over it. Uh, I've gone to so many different websites. I'm not a big grade guy. I just like to say, hey, the draft was what I thought it was good, bad, ugly, solid. I've been saying it's solid. For the most part, every single outlet from Pro Football Focus to NFL.com to Yahoo to this, that, and the other, Walter Football, everyone pretty much says the Raiders draft was about a B. Now, we won't know until these guys go out there and perform how good they are. Maybe maybe they're not a B. Maybe they're you know a, a low C. Maybe they're worse than that. Or maybe they find a couple diamonds in the rough and they end up being even better than a B. I just think for the most part, I think the overall agreement from everyone out there, not, not just me talking here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, not me just talking on Raider Nation Radio 920, but everybody who has no agenda to make the Raiders sound better than they are have pretty much agreed that they're about a B. Like I said, we'll go over that, though, a little bit on Monday unless something pops over the weekend that uh, is obviously more important. So uh, that's what I got for you. Segment number two, I just wanted to give Michael Mayer a lot of love because I do think that that addition to the Raiders' offense is going to help in a major way in multiple different ways with the team moving forward and helping them try to average more points per game and a lot better, especially in the red zone. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts throughout that Lockdown Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. That comes up next here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts draft that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with a text from Silver and Black Raider. Say, what's up, Q? Can you find out what type of leader Aiden O'Connell is? Is he a type of quarterback that is like Derek Carr that talks to you about what you did wrong and says he loves you at the end? Or is he like Tom Brady that will yell in your face or get it together? Or is he a guy that just does his job and doesn't hold his receivers accountable for their mistakes? That's from Silver and Black Raider. And it's funny, on my radio show, I actually... uh, uh, did a, a little bit of a feature on Aiden O'Connell, and I can't remember uh, what the what the uh, beat writer said about uh, his leadership skills. I'll have to go back and check it out, and if I can find the soundbite of it, I'll definitely bring it to the table. I can't remember, but for the most part, I, what I understood about Aiden O'Connell was he was a dude who works really hard. He's a smart guy. He's overcome a lot of adversity from being, you know, like ninth string at one point there at Purdue, a walk-on at Purdue, a tight end at Purdue, a guy who was a starter who got the starting job taken away, and then, and then he, he earned it back. That's, that's mainly what, what uh, I remember standing out about our coverage of uh, Aiden O'Connell. But I'll go back and check it out and definitely bring it to the show. So I do appreciate that text. Thanks for getting us started. Up next, got a call from Scotty B from the 765. He's calling to talk about... Quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Yo Q, this is Scotty B from uh, the 765. Just calling to talk about uh, Aiden O'Connell. I see you breaking down all these players on your podcast. And before you get to Aiden O'Connell, I just want to tell you that uh, he's not very good. Uh, A lot of people are trying to compare him to Tom Brady with his release and yada, yada, yada. He's not good. He threw 22 touchdowns with 13 interceptions. That's like 50-50 in my book. Uh, he uh, was on the easy side of the of the Big Ten bracket, the Big Ten West. So we we barely squeaked into the Big Ten championship, and we got a lot of love out of it. But he's not very good. Uh, just trying to tell you that uh, I. With this Aiden O'Connell trade-up pick that uh, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this regime now. The first three picks were great, but uh, not looking good. The the draft fell apart. Later. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And it's funny. Some people like him. Some people don't. I'm not a big fan only because of his lack of mobility. I just think in 2023, you've got to be mobile, right? You've got to be able to move around the pocket just a little bit. You know, you've got to be able to scramble just a little bit, and that's just not who he is. He's not going to do it that way. He's going to get the ball out of his hands really quickly. Uh, he's a smart guy. I mentioned it before. He's overcome adversity, but at the end of the day, he's just not mobile. Now, if that works for him, if that quick release works for him where he doesn't have to be mobile, so be it. You know, I'm not saying that he can't develop. I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I didn't watch enough Purdue football to say, oh, this guy's a, a winner, this guy's great, or he's not. I'm not even going to try to BS you. I'm not going to try to blow smoke up your backside and say that. I'm just not. Uh, but what I say is that the only thing I don't like is that he's not mobile, and that's something that we all do know. So, Scotty B., thanks for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Brent in Boston. He said, what's up, Q? Brent from Boston checking in with some quick observations after the draft. The Wilson pick has me feeling very similar to the Khalil Mack pick in 2014 when the stars aligned and Mack fell right into our laps. Not everyone was high on the Mack pick at the time because he was coming out of a school with little notoriety in Buffalo, but things worked out pretty well in the end, and we can only hope for similar results this time around. Michael Mayer is a can't-miss prototypical tight end and is perfect for the McDaniel system. 
The biggest thing I pulled out from this draft is I truly believe this staff was given a three-year window to right the ship. They didn't panic and feel the need to trade up for a quarterback and pick the best player available for positions of need. It appears like they're continuing to add depth all over the roster without making big splash moves both the free agency and through the draft, which again leads me to believe there's a sense of job assurance. I'm not sure what that means for the upcoming season, but hopefully the foundation is now in place and we can get a glimpse of what the future holds for our franchise. Still bleeding silver and black out here in Pat's country. Keep up the hard work, Q. Appreciate you. Just win, baby. That's Brent in Boston. And yeah, that's the one thing that we learned pretty quickly in the offseason is that these guys, uh, they're not worried about their jobs. They feel very comfortable with their job security. Dave Ziegler never panicked like he needed to go get a franchise quarterback. Never panicked. I need to go get a right tackle. Never panicked. Ah, I better go get this tight end. Never panicked to go get this cornerback. Like there was never a panic. That's what I respected about the draft. It was more like, okay, we're going to get the player that we believe is the best right now. And we'll worry about it later. And he even said after the draft, yeah, they wanted to get the offensive line addressed. They ended up doing it in undrafted free agents, but they wanted to do it during the draft. It just didn't happen. They wanted to get a corner earlier than they did. It just didn't happen. Not for what they wanted, not for who was at the board on the time. When Michael Mayer was on the board, there was guys out there that were available. And a lot of people were talking about Keely Ringo. I had a guy on my radio show from Georgia on Thursday, and he was like, you know, Keely Ringo was a highly rated uh, defensive back coming out of high school, he really should have played safety at Georgia. He really didn't really achieve what he should have achieved as a corner. And they asked him to play safety and he just didn't want to do it. So, and I had him on my radio show talking about Christopher Smith. And he was like, this guy is scratching the surface and he actually can play corner. He went in to play corner a couple times at Georgia and did a really good job. And he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be. And he has production. So uh, that was, that was pretty eye opening when they were talking about, yeah, I mean, Keely Ringo was good, but he wasn't really, that good. So uh, it's interesting. Again, they've got to go get it done on the field. I could say that the draft was as solid as they wanted it to be, but it's up to the coaches, though, to get the most out of them. That goes for Josh McDaniels and for Patrick Graham. Let's get another call in real quick. How about King Raider in L.A. County? He's calling to talk about the draft and the fact that he feels like there were a few picks that uh, he thought were wasted picks. Here he is, King Raider in L.A. County. Hey, Q, this is your boy, King Raider from L.A. Cali. I'm be calling and calling. That's a sales point, man. I don't care. I know you get like 100 calls, but this call, I hope it goes through. I got to agree with North Logan Raider, okay? Those two picks were a waste. Wide receiver and that quarterback, I'm not pretty happy with that. I kind of see why they went with the quarterback compared to he, he looks almost, I don't want to say Tom Brady-ish, like the type of quarterback that Tom Brady was, pocket to throw the ball out when he needed to. But my thing is, my thing is, we all know Jimmy G ain't going to play the whole season, bro. You talking about this is a backup quarterback that we drafted. We don't need backups, okay? We need somebody that's going to step in and start when this dude goes down. So you, you trying to tell me you happy with a new quarterback carousel? Because that's what it sounded like, my brother. You talking about, oh, he's a backup quarterback. We're going to be drafting quarterbacks every year or every other year. Bro, that's not, that's not the point. The point was to find somebody for the future. So that's my only thing with this quarterback pick. I mean, we could have got a quarterback when we picked that wide receiver. What the hell do we need a wide receiver for? You just said it yourself. The wide receiver room is fat. We need a defense and lineman. So those two picks were a waste. Could have got Jake Hayner when they got that, that wide receiver. I mean, screw Jake Hayner. They could have got anybody, any other quarterback at that point. 
or when they got the tight end. I, I mean, everybody's in the tight end, still of the draft. I mean, we could have got a quarterback there. So unless they got a real, real plan for next season to get the quarterback in the future, this, this was a waste. You really think Brian Horace going to be a good backup? Come on, man. We're tired of these picks. Us fans are tired of these picks that make no sense. Waste of picks, bro. You talking about we can't blame everything from the past on the Daniels and Ziggler? Well, they sure are taking us back to the past if we're going to have a quarterback carousel. Thanks for letting me vent. Hope this goes through. But you know, still ready nation for life, my brother. Thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I'll say this, man. I, I got to respectfully disagree with you. I, I think the tight end was arguably the best tight end in the draft. I think he was a guy that should have gone in the first round. He didn't. And the Raiders, you know he, they needed a tight end. O.J. Howard, he was a big deal coming out of college at Alabama. And believe me, I'm the one yelling, roll tide all the time, right? I'm a big Alabama guy. But he hasn't done anything in the NFL. He's been injured most of his career. So O.J. Howard's there. Austin Hooper, he's good. He's not great. But Michael Mayer, I mean, hes I think he's fantastic. So I, I thought that that was one of the best picks. Um, the only quarterback of the future that the Raiders had and, and Peter King, when he was in their, their war room, he said that the quarterback that they loved was Bryce Young. They liked C.J. Stroud, but they didn't really like the other quarterbacks. So I'm not sure what uh, Aiden O'Connell is going to turn into. He might end up just being a, a, a really good backup. And if he is, well, then he is. And he's there on a cheap deal. Right? He's a fourth-round pick, so he's not, it's not like they're spending a lot of money on him like when they signed Marcus Mariota as a backup. What was it, like $9 million? And other veteran quarterbacks, it's been a lot of money. This is a cheap deal. It's a fourth-round pick. So, you know, worst-case scenario, look, teams are in the business of drafting quarterbacks. Look at the Eagles. They just gave Jalen Hurts that big contract extension. Then they went and drafted Tanner McKee, who's all the way, by the way, already signed his contract. Right? I mean, so they're, they're in the business of, of drafting quarterbacks. And at the very end of the day, at the worst case scenario, maybe flipping them to another team. It's almost like having a lottery ticket, right? So uh, I understand you know, not liking the, the, the positions or the, 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 you know, the draft picks that were made. But we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Again, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, the only reason I don't think he could be a potential franchise quarterback long-term is just because he's not very mobile or not mobile at all. So that, that's the only problem I have with him myself. But thank you for that call, King Raider. It's good to hear from you. We'll get one more text in as we wrap up the show. Uh, Raider Wally from Ohio. He says, good morning, Q. It's Raider Wally from Ohio. I found uh, your pod a couple months ago. I haven't missed an episode since. Hearing the nation talk about trading for Isaiah or Simmons or Patrick Queen, I don't think we should trade for players that only have one year left on the deal and could just walk after this year. Giving up player picks for a year rental is not worth it to me. I'd love to see the Raiders try to get free agent linebacker Rashawn Evans. With the Falcons last year, he put up damn good numbers. 159 total tackles, 86 solo, six tackles for loss, two sacks, four passes defense, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. Would love to hear your thoughts. Raider Wally from Ohio. And yeah, I'm with you. You know, that's the one thing, and a lot of people were talking about Devin White when he wanted to uh, put out the trade request from Tampa Bay. Go get him, go get him, go get him. You know, when they only have one year left on their deal, unless you plan on paying them, that's the way to do it. If you're going to trade for them and they only got one year left on the deal, extend them immediately, right? If you're not going to extend them, you're right. They can walk, and then you're giving up draft capital for a one-year rental. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I like Rashawn Evans. I really do. Those numbers that you talked about right there, if Patrick Graham feels like he can be a nice addition to the mix, maybe that's a, you know, a way that they should go. It's funny. They have about $16 million in cap space right now, and I, I asked Vinny Bonsignor uh, on Thursday. I asked him, I said, well, what do you think they're going to do? They need about $7 million for, for uh, you know, their, their draft class. What do you think they're going to do with the rest? Do you think there's a couple free agents that they're looking at? And he told me, 
his gut feeling was that that they were going to go through, you know, the OTAs. They're going to go through the mandatory mini camp and see what they had in the 90 that they got right now and then say, okay, I think this guy can cut it. I think this guy is good. Okay, I think this this area of the team is still weak and we need to address it. So you probably won't see them make any free agent moves uh, for a while until at least mandatory minicamp is over and they get a somewhat of an idea of what they have. And now that I said that and put it out there on the podcast, now they'll probably go sign like two or three free agents, right? That's how it always happens. Like, I'll come back on Monday and be like, well, Q, how about that? Not going to sign anyone for a while. They've signed three new guys, but... Who knows? But that's what Vinny Bonsignor's, uh his gut feeling was, and he's a guy that talks to GM Dave Ziegler quite a bit. So uh, when he says something like that, I just kind of roll with it, assuming that uh, he's not been tipped off, but kind of he got that sense from what Dave has had to say. So there you go. That's what I got for you for today's show. Definitely appreciate all the feedback on the don't be bro- don't be broke.com text line. Now I'm giving you my my Raider Nation radio text line on, on the Locked On Raider podcast text line at uh, 707-654-4693. Of course, that's the call line or the text line here. We'll have more feedback. We'll have more uh, texting calls on Monday. We'll have more news and notes gathered over the weekend. Of course, we'll have plenty more to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll deep dip into uh, the grades that many different outlets are giving the Raiders. Maybe we'll have another highlight of a player, uh, what they could bring to the table as far as the silver and black is concerned. We'll have plenty to, to get to uh, coming up next week, starting on Monday. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your single to mile. Whatever you're doing, be safe out there. That's the most important thing. Always uh, take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.